Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this week we are talking all things trauma-informed exercise. Now I think this sounds like big and intimidating but I really think there's something for everyone and what we really got to with this week's guest who is Fiona Roberts, she's founder of the Movement Charity and a trainer herself, is that trauma-informed approach is beneficial for everyone and actually benefits everyone so I think I obviously found this conversation really interesting I felt like Fiona has some really interesting points to share and I hope it gives you a new perspective and understanding especially if you're a trainer yourself on how you can work with people and what we need to consider about other people's experiences and how that may impact how they interact with exercise. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this one. But of course, before we get into that, just a reminder, the UK Train Happy Retreat and the Greece Train Happy Retreat have their last few spots remaining. If you want to get booking for 2022 to have something to look forward to, to take some time out for self-care and really delve deeper into intuitive movement with a group of like-minded people, then you need to book your spot. All the information is in the show notes, so check that out there. Um, But I really hope I get to see you there and we have really deep chats and real breakthroughs on your you know, with your relationship with exercise and your body. But of course, what is a podcast intro without Train Happy Trooper of the Week? This week's Train Happy Trooper is the lovely Sophie, who's been a long time listener of the podcast. And I've, you know, Sophie and I have interacted quite a lot on social media and I'm really excited she's trained happy trooper of the week this week sophie says i have very consciously not weighed myself since having my second baby at around 12 weeks postpartum i was keen to move and get strong again but struggled to fit workouts in regularly and was trying to find a movement that was genuinely fun so i bought a hula hoop I don't think I've been able to hoop since I was at school, so I was very excited about the challenge. I can now keep it spinning for a few minutes at a time, and I'm trying to move and start to incorporate dance moves into my hooping. It's great for my pelvic floor and stomach muscles, and something I can pick up for just a few minutes when my daughter is settled. Plus, it's good fun and makes me feel like a kid again. Sophie, I love this train happy moment. Yes, movement should be more playful. It should really connect with your inner child, and it should make you feel good and have fun and especially as a a a mum with a young baby I think it's so important to take those small moments where you can for yourself and to you know you're always in that parent role and sometimes just have a chance to be kind of that child and that free spirit so that's really lovely to hear thank you so much for sharing if you want to hear more from Sophie, you can read her full interview on our Instagram page, which is at Train Happy Podcast. And if you want to be featured as Train Happy Trooper of the Week, we'd love to have you. Get in touch via DM on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast or drop us an email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. All of that is in the show notes too. But enough from me, let's hear from this week's brilliant guest, Fiona Roberts. Fiona, welcome to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be here and such a privilege to chat to you today. I believe this is your first podcast This is my first ever podcast, so be kind to me. I will, I will. You're in, you're in a safe place. We're going to have a nice conversation. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I wanted to invite you on because we have been working together um, as part of your work um, with the Movement Charity and I have recently become an ambassador for you guys and I just, when I found out about what you, what you were doing, I just felt that it was so in alignment with the Train Happy message and what I'm kind of personally and professionally passionate about, which is you know, making fitness more inclusive and giving people more access to fitness. And, you know, that is what you are doing. So I'm really excited to get into all of that um, before, uh, yeah, throughout this whole episode. But I think we should kind of start with, I don't know, before we get to the movement stuff, how you became a personal trainer and, you know, what was your way into the fitness industry and what was it all about for you? It's kind of linked to the movement charity, but I think personally for me, my relationship with exercise, I wasn't particularly sporty growing up, but I kind of found exercise and movement through um, through kind of the social aspect. So I used to go um, to like a spin class with a couple of my friends on my day off. Also, I'm quite competitive. So what actually, when I first started kind of, doing exercise was because I um someone had mentioned me about 10k and one of my friends had said I don't think you'd be able to do a 10k and <laughs> so I trained and ended up doing it um and then also I think for me personally my mental health I my background before playing a personal trainer is youth and community work um and it was a brilliant job but quite stressful in terms of kind of safeguarding and different challenges and exercise was a kind of release for me, a de-stressor and something I found really personally beneficial. Um, so I was interested in getting involved in the fitness industry because personally I found exercise so beneficial to me. But I also was working in youth work and was really passionate about working with women um, and particularly women who've experienced multiple disadvantages. So I kind of was holding the two and kind of trying to work out how how that would look whether to pick one or whether there was a way that I could kind of integrate those two different areas that I was passionate about um and then I kind of had a little bit of like a light bulb moment I actually remember because I was camping with some of the young people that I was working with and I just had this sudden moment where like the two just clicked so perfectly and I I remember thinking kind of like all the all the things that I find benefit me in exercise, like social inclusion, mental health. Those are the areas that women who've experienced multiple disadvantages really benefit from. But somehow there's a kind of disconnect between the two that should so naturally link together. Um, so I, from that, I kind of, the movement came about and the movement and me becoming a personal trainer kind of went hand in hand so became a personal trainer with the heart to develop the movement charity um yeah so let's explain to people what the movement charity is and yeah how it's having a really positive impact yeah so the movement charity um our kind of tagline, our heart, based on what we do is restoring her right to exercise. So based on the belief that everybody should have access to the physical and mental health benefits of movement, but that the reality is that particularly for women who've experienced multiple disadvantages, they are least likely to access physical exercise. So we as a charity remove barriers to exercise. So we do that through kind of practical aspects so providing suitable clothing and footwear through um, providing free exercise sessions in partnership with charity Um, but then also at the core is that trauma-informed approach so providing exercise sessions that consider the impact of trauma um, and therefore provide a safe space where people are more likely to attend exercise opportunities. Don't you think it's really interesting how there's often the kind of 
um, narrative within fitness as well. I think a naive narrative that says, you know, you just need to like lace up your trainers and get outdoors and go for a run. Or, you know, there's so many free things you can do. Like you just need to exercise. And it's been really interesting. Um, so to give context to everyone listening, I have been working with you guys, hosting a weekly group for uh women in partnership with another charity and just meeting people who just wouldn't have necessarily the access or the resources to have the correct footwear to have an appropriate sports bra um all those sorts of things which you know need money and resources to to have and and also to prioritize because um that that's not necessarily a, a priority um when you're you know struggling in other areas so it's really interesting that yeah there's this thing of like well we just need to you know eat less and move more and do all these things and yet I think because a lot of us live in our own little privileged bubbles 100% um where things are easy for us um it's certainly put into, into perspective for me you know the the way that I am able to you know choose what I want to buy in the supermarket and um able to not think twice about you know getting the active wear that fits me or whatever it is um it's just interesting that people do not consider that and they get on their high horse and they're not actually thinking about the reality of of people outside of their bubble you know yeah 100% and so many articles you see like get motivated exercise again step one buy a new piece of active wear like there's so many things that you and I definitely have become more and more aware of my own privilege over time um there's so many barriers to movement that you just don't consider if you don't have those barriers and like you're saying there's there is a narrative out there of just exercise. It's simple, but both physical, practical barriers and then also psychological barriers make it not that simple for many, many people. Let's talk about some of the those practical barriers that you have experienced working with um, with people and, you know, what they might entail. I know we mentioned about, you know, having access to the right shoes and the right clothing. Um, I also have you know chatting with the people in my group asking you know Tally what other classes do you do can we come to something else that you do and me thinking the class I teach you know my spin classes you know are at least 20 pound a go that's not going to be that's not going to be accessible and I wouldn't want you to spend your money on that like yeah you know um it doesn't feel right so you know, I was able to point them in the direction of like, fortunately, like free things I have on my Instagram page. We wanted, they wanted dance workouts specifically. Yeah. And actually that's the best place to find some stuff. Um, But just the idea that so many of the gyms and classes, particularly in London, are marketed towards people who have a lot of disposable income. Yeah. And the more money you have, the more support you get is how it works, really. So the dream is if you have a large disposable income, you can have a personal trainer a few times a week there to motivate you, there to be really specific to your needs. But it is such a scale of how much disposable income you have. So if you have no disposable income, there's very, very little support out there. And also, practically in terms of like space as well, if you're in a refuge you might not feel safe to leave leave your front door like having a space to exercise exercise coming to you the wi-fi for example some of the refuges we worked in when lockdown happened we weren't able to have any contact with because the internet was really poor so when people say oh there's loads of free stuff online if you don't know where to look if it doesn't seem accessible for you and I know we were having a conversation um last week about the fact that lots of beginners workouts don't necessarily reflect yeah. a beginner so if you don't know where to start you don't feel like there's anything for you you don't have internet access you don't have money like there are a lot of barriers already to in some way getting some support with exercise and movement let's talk about that beginner thing because I feel like this is like a little gripe I have and I think this is a great opportunity to discuss it <laughs> <Have a rant. laughs> yeah exactly get it out there um so 
yeah, the, the thing that bothers me, I think, is and is that a lot of people, a lot of people working in fitness are fairly ad- at an advanced level. And I'm talking about fitness professionals. They're at a fairly advanced skill level and fitness level um, compared to the average person. And so what they perceive to be beginner is actually quite intermediate for someone who's never had access to uh, an exercise instructor or a class before or who um you know has a lower fitness level i think i think there's a a sense within with personal trainers and fitness instructors that we need to program the hardest workouts the most advanced workouts that you know absolutely kill people otherwise people think we're not very good at our job but actually we need to be meeting people where they're at and working with their bodies and their movement so that we can we can you know help them access movement and build up their fitness in a realistic way for them and i see so many uh you know workout videos on youtube and um youtube and instagram and it's all very complex exercises that don't consider what people um, what the reality is for people and I say this as someone who has certainly created content that is not not a beginner level um, but calling it beginner and then I have since worked with people who are beginner who we're like breaking down a squat or we're breaking down how to do a lunge and you know or what slowly slowly building up to get into a plank almost like that is a full plank position is advanced I would Mm. consider that advanced now I have worked with a variety of people um but at the beginning of my career I thought a straight up plank was easy everyone could do a plank a full plank and you know just if you couldn't do it like come on just keep up Mm. but actually you really have to break things down for people and um it's been even more so we were we had like a lunch last week And I was telling you that even in the class that I'm doing um, with this charity now, the people turning up, some of them have never had any access to any sort of instruction or movement. And I think we're going to talk about it with the the trauma aspect as well. Um, Even the the beginner stuff is too much and we have Mm. to strip it back even more. And so, yeah, I I kind of wish people... um, I don't know, took their ego out of training and, you know, really started to work with people where they're at. And I know it's hard when you're online to kind of think of those people, but I think there needs to be like, you know, total novice, yeah, the beginner level, then, you know, really strip back the beginner level into tiers as well. So people can, so can work their way into stuff. I don't know what your thoughts are on that and how you've experienced that as a personal trainer yourself. No, I completely agree. And I think like the big thing for me is like creating a positive experience of interacting with movement and exercise. And if you're in there being, if you're attending something or watching something, being told you should be able to do this, anyone can do this. My workout is for all levels and then you can't do it. It just makes you feel really rubbish about yourself. It does. Why shouldn't I be able to do it? And I found that as a personal trainer with quite, so push-ups, for example, are a movement that people expect should be able to do because people quite often chuck them in even like push up lowers when you're just lowering to the floor Mm. people expect to be able to do that but actually reality is that is a really advanced movement and really really challenging and even with lowers like starting it can just be a collapse Mm -hmm. collapse to the ground and I spent I've spent a lot of time as a personal trainer saying this is an advanced movement like you shouldn't necessarily be able to and because some people biologically are made up to be able to do that without thinking thinking too much of it once you actually work with a variety of people um realize that a lot of these movements are really really challenging and you kind of you base it off your own experience but then as you have experience as a person trained interacting with people you realize that people have a variety of different challenges and part of our training um, when we train our volunteer instructors, we say start at absolute beginning. We want people to have a really positive experience exercise. So they come away saying, I achieved something. Mm. I building confidence in yourself, in your body, connecting to your body. Um, 
And so starting at a place where you're able to do that is really, really important, I think, as a personal trainer in general and in in the charity context as well. Yeah, I think the confidence thing is so important. And when you're constantly doing things and you feel like, well, I can't do that, that's just for you know, fit people or, or thin people or whatever it is, um, you, you feel like you just want to give up because why bother when it's not made for you? Um, yeah. and it's interesting <clears throat> working with the, like I said, working with these women and noticing that, and I, I think this is linked to that trauma aspect specifically in, in the context we are working in with, um, the charities we're partnering with, um, that there is an extreme lack of confidence anyway, let mm. alone with the confidence with being able to um, feel comfortable in an exercise class. Um, that is another thing that there, that is another kind of challenge to face. And it really is about slowly working to build people up and really celebrate all the small little wins and, um, you know, recognize that what is like I say easy and simple for me is not for others and so just being really mindful of that as well yeah 100% so let's talk more about this um what kind of trauma informed means and and the impacts of trauma on the body physically and how that may yeah impact you engaging with exercise because I know this is something you're really passionate about yeah and I think it provides a lot of context to um this you know the scenario we're talking about today yeah definitely um so first kind of a good starting point is to think a little bit about what is happening with the brain and what we mean by trauma so when if you think of the brain I quite find quite helpful to use a hand model so if you think of um kind of a clenched fist with your finger inside so the brain is essentially the fingers on the outside the outside of the brain is our like higher cognitive function so our kind of thinking processing part of our brain and then the thumb on the inside is our limbic system so our kind of survival part of our brain so our kind of more unconscious involuntary are part of our brain making the decisions to kind of keep us keep us alive keep us safe um and so when we're met with something that we perceive to be a threat our body goes into a fear response so it's quite often known as fight or flight um so a response to kind of emergency alarm bells get us out of this danger keep us safe and what happens is that our um kind of higher cognitive function goes offline And it's this survival limbic system, part of our brain, making the decisions out of our control to keep us from saving. So the two famous ones are fight or flight. So we might fight against whatever's happening or we might run away. And if that process results in us escaping danger, returning to safety, then we complete the cycle that's kind of the danger safety cycle that's meant to happen. And we can our higher cognitive function comes back online to that top part of our brain we're able to kind of process story make about what happened and kind of complete the cycle so trauma is when we're not able to complete that cycle so despite our best efforts despite trying what we can what we have accessible to um, escape the threat or um, de-escalate the threat that hasn't been successful for whatever reason. And we're not able to complete that kind of safety cycle as our body should be. And that is what trauma is essentially. That's what's going on in the brain. And that can be once or quite often. So for example, we work with quite a lot of women who've experienced domestic violence and have been in that situation for a long time. That can happen again and again. And because our brains, that's not what's meant to happen, it has an effect on our body and our mind. We're not meant to be in that danger, that um, fear response for a long period of time. And it can impact our body and mind in a number of different ways. Um, So a few ways it can impact um, us. So for example, when we are in that, um, when we're in the fear response for a lot, that higher cognitive function, Um, is not the priority Um, the priority is 
um, that kind of survival part of the brain. So it means higher cognitive function isn't as accessible to us. So things that can impact us in a number of ways. For example, in an exercise session, when you have a lot of instructions happening very quickly, a lot of coordination that you're needing to discuss um, and work through, if that's something that's not accessible to you, that can be really, really challenging. Um, Also, from a financial point of view, if you're not able to focus at work, your brain is feeling foggy, that can have an impact on you. Um, Another way that that can impact the brain is our interoception um, is um, turned off. So when we're in this fear response, we're having to be really, really aware of what's going on around us. So all of our senses are heightened. And then that for therefore means that our interoception, so our sense of self, our kind of feeling of what's going on inside our body, whether that be kind of hunger, pain, muscle muscle feeling is turned down because we're having to our focus is keeping us safe escaping whatever the threat is not our priority at the moment isn't how hungry we are or whether we're eight we have a slight ache because we might need to escape the threat and if we're feeling in pain from an ache then we don't notice it so if if um being exposed to um persistent trauma our interoception is turned down. So in an exercise session, when someone says, you will feel this here, or we're exercising to feel this muscle, that might not necessarily be accessible to you. And like we were saying about kind of confidence growing, if someone's saying you should feel this here, then, and you're not, that feels pretty, pretty rubbish. You're thinking, what am I doing wrong to not feel it there? I just want to pick up on your point about the interoceptive awareness because this is something that is spoken a lot about um, intuitive eating and intuitive movement as well. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that intuitive eating specifically, um, the, the, the framework there, can improve your interoceptive awareness levels, um, which, like you say, is like increasing that sensitivity to um understanding your hunger and fullness cues and understanding what satisfaction feels like this is in the context of food um and it's interesting that trauma can be one of the things that you like you say like stops that from happening and um I like to think of it as well as thinking of it like the trust with your body that you have the level of trust I talk about this a lot with intuitive movement um and often talk about the impacts of how diet cultures eroded our trust with our bodies. But it's interesting how you're saying that trauma also erodes the trust we have and connection we have with our bodies. Um, Like you can feel quite disconnected from like the neck down. Um, That's really interesting. And how, this is why we, when you, when we originally spoke about this, I think we really felt that, um, intuitive movement and and what you're doing really does align because there's a lot of overlap and crossover in those ideas and so yeah how can we help those with trauma build up that connection um how yeah how can we start to you know help repair that interoceptive awareness yeah I think it's I think the starting point is as fitness professionals being aware of it so not um creating opportunities for interoception but with the awareness that someone might not have that ability that ability to feel feeling in the body so i when i when i teach an exercise session try and always use the term might so you might notice feeling here you might notice this maybe you're feeling a stretch for your back as you do this sort of so giving the option of feeling but also not um not making the assumption that someone does is it also sorry to interrupt is it also about being curious about what people are feeling so I I I asked this I think before understanding a more trauma-informed approach you know even you know historically of asked clients you know what are you feeling? You know, what is, what, what's it feeling like for you without feeling like that I know the answer? 
wanting to hear their perception of what's going on yeah definitely and then being open to that answer being Mm. I don't know yeah or nothing yeah 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 yeah. so yeah um and then also then like if that answer isn't what you expected so if you're doing an exercise that you really hope is an exercise for glutes for example and they're saying oh I'm feeling like a burn through the front of my legs not saying that isn't where you should be feeling it like you're doing it wrong because that might for them be quite a big experience feeling feeling through the front of the leg there might be that's them connecting their body noticing feeling they've done something to create feeling they're noticing that that is a really positive interoceptive experience so kind of building that up as a as a positive a positive thing um so I think those can be some ways I think also just um creating space to kind of explore that so giving kind of choices within a session giving um different opportunities to notice feeling or not um and kind of creating creating a kind of safe space is also kind of at the key of that um so there's kind of like three areas we look at when we do um kind of our trauma-informed workshops with new volunteers so there's the kind of interoceptive side but there's also the creating safety and the kind of power dynamic side um so at at kind of its base level we want to create a safe space and um kind of research into trauma shows the kind of first stage of kind of working through trauma is creating safety um and we're not there as personal trainers to help people work through their trauma and that's why we work with charities that are providing those services but we can be part of creating safety um so a big thing in that is like triggers for example so giving a lot of choices um and considering how exercise movements how equipment how music how lighting how language could all potentially be a trigger um for an individual and so therefore giving as much choice in an exercise session so before using any equipment, perhaps the week before talking about it, showing what it might look like, asking them if they want to use it, I think is just a generally a great principle as personal training. And that's the thing with all of these things of a trauma-informed approach is that we're not talking about, like specifically for the charity context, all of us benefit from a more trauma-informed approach. Every client that... Uh, fitness professional has benefits from kind of the principles of a trauma-informed approach to exercise and movement yeah it's not just um reserved for people who may be working with the charity partners that you're that you're um linked up with it's like you say everyone can benefit everyone can we can all be a bit more mindful of people and um yeah like we say meet people where they're at and work with them rather than working in that site slightly you know um in I'm trying to get the word right dictatorial way I think that's the Mm. word I'm trying to access um which often we link with like the boot camp experience and all of that which I think plays into that power dynamics you were talking about as well yeah a hundred percent I mean especially because many of the women that we work with and the nature of trauma in general is that quite often trauma that people have experienced is relational trauma. So trauma where the threat was a person or people. And that therefore creates an interesting dynamic because we as fitness professionals, as people represent the threat. So it's a very interesting dynamic and particularly, like you said, in the fitness industry where there is a power dynamic of me being the instructor, me being the knowledgeable one and you being the person attending my session. In a trauma-informed approach, we're really trying to counterbalance that dynamic that's already going on and kind of give power back to the um, fitness professional, which involves a lot of choice making. It makes our job slightly more challenging, I think, because we're having to adapt, we're having to um, adapt to what the person's need is. And also kind of practically, it might mean we get more involved with a session if what someone um, 
if someone feels more comfortable not kind of being watched to exercise that is actually quite an intimidating thing if you really like think about it someone just watching you do something and particularly if um if the trauma that someone's experienced has involved coercion and control then we're really trying to take away control which as fitness professionals there can be a tendency to try and control things to try and have the outcomes have where we want things to go but having that kind of non-attachment to outcomes having that non-attachment to how a session has to look and trying to give as much control to our clients um creates a kind of helps to start to change that power dynamic and one really simple way of doing that is touch and I know we've chatted about this as well and it's something that features in our training like by touching someone's body without asking them like what is that saying about who owns that body what is that saying about the power dynamic there and even even asking like making sure that there is a power dynamic one of the um one of the so the fight and flight response that kind of fear response one of them is friend so it's kind of a a less known one but a fear response when met with a threat can be to friend the threat so in the way like if you had a dog bark you might give it a treat or a toy to try and distract it from from barking at you um in the same way there can be a response where someone who's experienced trauma is coming into your session and wanting to please you because they perceive you as a threat and wanting to um wanting to kind of de-escalate that what they perceive to be that threat so giving choice in a way that actually over time they really do understand that it is their choice it is their decision that you're going to be there regardless you are consistent present that you really want them to have a positive exercise experience and you're happy to kind of sacrifice what maybe you had planned for the session or your ego of wanting them to get results quickly so you can show them off like and just having that focus on creating a really positive exercise experience for what that individual that you're or group that you're training yeah one of the things we talk about in intuitive movement and I think this really relates to this as well is the idea of you the individual being the expert of their body and it not being that of the trainers um because I think there historically within fitness has been it has been this power dynamic where the trainer or the instructor is the authority and you must just do what they say and disregard what you're actually feeling and experiencing and perhaps what even makes you feel comfortable or not comfortable and so yeah it's really about empowering the individual to uh, have that um, ownership over what their session and so within the session um, so something I do with people is I just provide options for people and I don't say this is beginner this is advanced this is whatever it's just like option one you can do this option two you can do this it's up to you you choose what feels right for you and so just giving people the power to make the choices for themselves within the session um And you're so right about having to kind of go with the flow of the room, engage the mood within the room, gauge the different people within the room. Um, And yeah, it's a learning experience. And I think um, I certainly have almost been like collecting collecting an experience each week and thinking, oh, okay, so next week I need to do that. But like you say, it's little things like just saying, what kind of music do you want to have today? You know, you choose the music and that's what we're going to listen to today. Um, you know, would you like to do this? You know, would you like to do some dance at the end of the workout or would you prefer to do something calmer? You know, do you want something high energy or, you know, and just providing those options and going with the flow. And I do think an intuitive approach really works well with that because that's what it's all about. Um, it is all about helping people listen to their bodies, but um, with that lens, like you say, with that trauma-informed lens, it can really, um, I think it can really help give the trainer patience because we are taught, like you say, like we are kind of taught that if you aren't getting these drastic results and improvements in, you know, um, if you're not 
getting them doing a full press up in four weeks then you're rubbish at your job Mm. and I think there's that pressure we feel you know to like to have something to show to prove but really um this is where those other benefits get come in those holistic benefits come in and we can talk about the um those mental health benefits so for example you know one of the people attending my classes has just remarked that actually a friend said that they really noticed an improvement in their mood Mm. and actually that's been the biggest win we've had with that person to date and that's huge and so actually whilst there's all this pressure to get these this physical stuff going and to say like wow look at you know you're so you've the strength has improved so much your fitness has improved so much I think it's actually reflecting on the other aspects like the confidence the mood the self-esteem all of those things as well yeah a hundred percent and I think those are the those are the things that really like the impact impact your life and I I was actually talking to a um we've got a therapist who's a friend of the movement um and kind of supports our this side of things and is doing a workshop for us and I was having a meeting with her yesterday and she was kind of trying to understand a little bit more about like the personal training qualification so when she's she's delivering some kind of training for us on um body image and trauma-informed body image and um and she um she was kind of asking oh so what what does the personal training kind of include because she, she didn't want to overlap from the personal training qualification so she was kind of like so what does it include in kind of terms of like emotional support and blah blah, blah. and I was like there's nothing like it isn't it's just kind of like do eight to twelve reps of this increasing the weight and then you'll be stronger or you'll lose weight or sort of thing there's no um kind of given that we are all emotional beings and we come with so much stuff it feels crazy to me that 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 isn't really covered in that basic personal training because we're working with people and people are complex and it's pretty much statistically guaranteed that someone you're working with as a fitness professional has experienced trauma. And so to bring awareness to that and to be able to make them feel safe and access exercise for them and experience all those mental health benefits, like you were saying, I think we kind of need to do better as a fitness industry. Yeah, definitely. I just think back to the scenarios I've been in with one-to-one clients where we've had tears or we've had um you know a super stressful experience coming in with a ton of stress and you know there have been times when you know I've probably felt out of my depth in scenarios because I haven't had I haven't had that background and that training to deal with those situations and I and it's kind of you know like a joke I've heard like many personal trainers say you know we're like therapists as well like and I think this is also where that whole exercises therapy thing can can be unhelpful because it puts the onus on us as personal trainers to be this kind of jack of all trades when really we should be master of one which should be that exercise stuff um and if adequately trained and given the proper training, be able to support people or point people in the direction to have the correct support that they need. But, you know, I've spoken to so many friends and fellow personal trainers over the years where they've said, oh, we had to completely scrap the session. We went for a walk instead and, you know, or went and got, had had a coffee and, and there's a lot of emotional unloading happening in those sessions from the client to the trainer. But if you're not equipped to deal with that, um, that's, you know, stepping out of your, um, of your lane really. And, and what yeah. you kind of should be expected to do. And, and I do think we could do with some revisions in that personal training qualification where we are given, um, more stuff on a trauma informed approach and, you know, who to work with in those scenarios of like, who can we point people in the direction of, how can we support people, you know, if we suspect things going on, um, how can we, yeah, um, look out for those people? And yeah, there, there's so many things, and that, and that can relate to things like eating disorders as well as, as you know, suspected some abuse in some way, or you know, yeah. there's so many things um, that we are often that point of contact for someone, and 
we're not getting the adequate training that we need as trainers. Yeah. And also if we have more knowledge, it helps us to have those boundaries as well. So like we're very as as a charity, we're very we're very firm with that we only work with women who are connected with another charity so we do everything through partner charities so people are getting that holistic support and having that kind of understanding of a trauma-informed approach almost like gives you that boundary you understand that you are there to create a positive exercise experience and there are ways you can do that as a fitness professional there's ways you can consider trauma and do that but then if things get to a stage where things are coming out or you or there are things that aren't your area of expertise you can also refer on to it gives you that confidence of like this is what I'm doing. I I am working within my expertise to create a safe space for people who experience trauma. But also within doing that, I then know that this is what I can do and then this is what I'm not qualified to do. And then therefore I can refer on or gain support from elsewhere um, in those scenarios. So I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's, it is really important to understand your your boundaries and where your you know what where your um where your lane is really and and not to overstep and and you know I think it's all done with the best intentions um and I think like I say largely due to the fact that we're not we don't necessarily get as much information in this area but we can certainly certainly um do better now Explain to me, like, how many classes are the Movement Charity running right now? Um, And what has the, you know, what has the experience been for the people attending? And what feedback are you getting? What, you know, what have the benefits been for these people who are finally getting access to regular movement? Um, So we currently have, I think we have 17 or 18 classes happening weekly. We've got a couple of starting in the next couple of weeks um which is really exciting um for us and those are throughout london with volunteer instructors um and the feedback we're having it's really like it's it's the feedback that we all experience with exercise really it's it's increased confidence mental health and also just like really my favorite feedback is always the really practical ones so people saying like I'm able to walk further without feeling breathless or I have more energy like the things that help make the rest of our life better because I think that's for me really what exercise brings um everyone that's attended um our sessions have said it's helped them to increase the amount of movement that they do which is amazing as a kind of base start that's what we're about as a charity breaking down barriers to exercise so if people are moving more and having a positive experience of that then that is um a real benefit for us but it's it's the same um it's the same benefits we all experience when we exercise but it's just that these women have experienced more barriers so it's it feels a little bit more I guess I don't know dramatic is the word but it feels like a bit more of like a breakthrough because up until now people haven't had that opportunity and now they are first breaking in and I know charities are saying I find because because I'm create a little bit of an echo chamber because I'm a health first person training myself I create a little bit of an echo chamber of kind of like a positive supportive fitness industry but I know um pause the charity that you're volunteering with I was meeting I met with one of their staff last week and they were just saying how like different the sessions feel to like boot camps that kind of boot camp thing we were talking about earlier seems to be the perception of what the fitness industry is and so they're just blown away by these kind of positive exercise opportunities that are really supportive that provide provide a kind of safe space to move how feels good for you um so yeah so we've had loads really really positive feedback and it seems like it's something that personal trainers seem to be interested and up for kind of giving an hour a week fitness professionals are kind of able to give an hour a week and in return it means people are accessing exercise and all those many benefits that we all know um well um yeah through that so it's really really exciting and it's something that we're we're relatively small and new charity and we've grown quite quickly um just because there is such a big need out there um and amazing fitness professionals like yourself for giving their time to help meet that need um which is really really exciting well 
I mean, there may be other things out there like this, but this is this feels quite unique to me. And yeah, it's so interesting that our perception of fitness has become so much of a boot camp, a punishment, a way to earn and burn calories. Um, that it's a shock when you turn up and it's a positive, fun experience and there's like not masses of pressure there or there's no pressure. It's all about, um, yeah, just going with the flow and having fun with it and getting to know people and, you know, like I say, working with them rather than telling them what to do. And it's interesting that it's not just the people who are um, partaking in the class. It's also the partner charity that's that they're also experiencing that. Um, it is really interesting to me that uh yeah we we're doing something different and it's really exciting and like I say I think it really ties in and overlaps so well with with those who work in a kind of weight inclusive way and I and I should say that's also really important as well is is that use of language and um, I'd be really interested to do the body image workshop. I, I think that's so interesting because I do think that we have to be really mindful of, um, I mean, I ne- I will never talk about weight in my classes and I will never um, highlight that, even though I know a lot of people there who are attending, you know, we looked at their parkies and, and they were concerned about their weight, but we really kind of focus on all the other wins Mm. um and I actually think that helps to make it feel more fun and inviting rather than like they're going to their Weight Watchers meeting where someone's gonna be like oh and what have you done the last week and oh you know um and I think if you thinking of kind of the trauma-informed side of kind of if you have a disconnect from your body due to trauma then saying lots of negative things or a trainer kind of encouraging viewing your body as wrong or negative is is not particularly helpful because you already Mm. are disconnected from your body building body connection and then from that place maybe starting to think positive things about your body is a great way to go if someone's trying to build connection with your body and then you're saying your body's rubbish your body needs to change like that not going to help the process but then it's also then building the from the power dynamic point of view holding what they want to do with their body even if it's not Mm. what you would do as a health first trainer yeah holding those two together can be quite an interesting dynamic and some interesting conversations can come about it um so yeah it's an interesting one (laughs) lots to think about oh it is and I think that's a really important thing to highlight is that I kind of have, the, I'm of the the belief that I don't promote or encourage intentional weight loss um, because I just know the risks and harms and everything. But I also appreciate that people do have autonomy and they are allowed to do what they want to do. Um, just within our session, it's not something I'm going to talk about. I'm going to focus on. But, you know, what you're doing outside of the session is your business, your choice, you do you. Um, and because I think it would be naive to think that people's desires would change just mm. because of, you know, just because I, even just because I'm not focusing on it, I think, you know, you have to be real about that. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a interesting line to walk. Um, but I mean, in my with my group in particular, um, I've been really pleasantly surprised that it's we haven't really discussed it at all. You know, mm. there hasn't been much discussion of it at all. Um, I think because when it's just not a topic of conversation, we just, I don't know, we just, it's, I think when someone else isn't emphasizing it in the room, then other people yeah. kind of forget to, almost. Yeah, and I think you're 100% spot on about focusing on wins. Like someone can have the autonomy to have, a weight loss goal and that's their decision and we give them the power to have what decision they want but also like that doesn't mean you can't celebrate the wins and creating that kind of positive connection of exercise having a positive impact on your life or 
being able to do more or feeling better slowly kind of if if that's what we're talking about that can shift the focus slightly and creates a kind of more positive look at exercise than necessarily it being about losing things it's kind of like that focus on what have you gained exactly what have you gained I love that right where can people um who want to get involved with movement and the movement charity and want to potentially I'm thinking there might be trainers listening instructors listening you think wow I'd love to be trained up in this trauma-informed approach and I'd love to partner with you um and you know host a class in my area what you know how can people uh get in touch um, so as a fitness professional, there's kind of a few ways you can get involved. So you can potentially volunteer for us. We're hoping to do a new volunteer intake before the end of the year. Um, we're currently London-based, but that we are planning to expand out of London in the future. Um, so you can get in touch through our website where you can find out more information, which is www.themovementcharity.com. Um, or we're on Facebook and Instagram at We Are The Movement Charity. Um, and if you are a fitness professional who doesn't necessarily feel able to volunteer your time, maybe that's not accessible to you, but you would like to explore kind of a trauma-informed approach to movement. Because like we were saying before, being trauma-informed benefits the whole fitness industry. It's not just for charities. Um, that is something we are developing um, resources for. So you can register your interest for that on our website and we can kind of keep you posted um, on how we can do that um, and then the final way you can support us as a charity that anyone can do is um, financially we rely on donations to run the work that we do um, and so if you wanted to fundraise for us maybe do some train happy movement <laughs> that um, is sponsored or run an exercise class or donate to us regularly um, we would we so so appreciate that and it enables us to continue to grow because the need like we were saying is so big um, and we have a waiting list of people who want to access our services and our hope is that every woman who wants to um, have access to exercise that we are able to help facilitate that for them to make that decision yes we are going to hopefully do some fundraising together so watch this space um but equally do get involved um on your own terms as well because I just think what you are doing is amazing and does need that support and so I will link all of that in the show notes um and Fiona we have to finish by asking you what has been your most recent train happy moment well yesterday I did actually have dominoes rather than going to a spin class I was meant to go to so I thought that's quite was quite a good like rest moment but I love me, that train happy moment but in general a more kind of wholesome actually moving a train happy moment um is that I've recently moved from somewhere that's quite flat so west London to the Chiltern Hills which is very hilly so in terms of kind of stats, if you were looking at my stats, my runs have probably decreased quite a lot in time and length, but I've kind of separated myself from that. And I'm just enjoying a new challenge of moving, enjoying seeing beautiful countryside and kind of trying to disconnect from the stats that come along with movement. Um, so that's my moving train happy movement. I love that. I love that. Oh, this has been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed chatting so with you. Much. And I really think, um, like you said, to get um, more understanding about what a trauma-informed approach is and how it um, can be such a positive thing for the fitness industry is so important. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And we love having you as an ambassador to Tally. So thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. It is honestly my pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. 
to become the train happy trooper of the week and if you have a burning question you would like me to answer then please send those in too and it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes once again thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon 